Hey, everybody, this is Jacqueline Kitzman, and this is the uh, Awaken Tarot podcast, and this is going to be another nightmarish episode of this podcast for two reasons. One, I'm literally sitting in my underwear. <laughs> and two, pregnancy, Gabe is rolling his eyes, but pregnancy is very uncomfortable. Um, and two, we are going to read your nightmares, and we're going to talk about them. But uh, there's a third reason this is nightmarish. Uh, one, uh, of one, it's 3.1. Uh, Gabe's here. Gabe, say hi. Hello. And just to be clear, I was rolling my eyes because she asked me if it would be okay if she was in her underwear to do this podcast. And I was like, yeah, nobody can see you. And well, then she totally destroyed that illusion by telling everybody that she's in her underwear. Shut up. So 3.2... <laughs> Is that uh, we're going to start off this episode with talking about Gabe's naked foray with porch ghosts last night. I take your underwear and see you. Raise me a penis. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So um, last night, Gabe and I were having a very COVID-friendly Halloween Samhain, and uh, we lit a you know, a little fire pit, and we set up our little altars and our little full moon altar, and uh, we went back inside, and Gabe got in the shower, um, and then after his shower, why don't you tell it, Gabe? You, you were the, you're the penis bearer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so af- after we were done and we put out the fire and everything, we went inside and started getting ready for bed, basically. I jumped in the shower, and then afterwards... Um, I, I wanted, I wanted to light some incense to, to, to sleep with because I thought it might smell good and, um, He's trying to have dreams. Yeah. I was trying to have some crazy dreams. So, um, so, but I left our lighter outside and we only have one because I broke the other. And just to clarify, my husband, my sweet, wonderful husband has no shame, like would be a nudist if society in, in Nashville permitted. Continue. Yeah. I, I just... I don't really have much to explain there, except that I don't really care. Are you care insinuating your penis is naked... small? I don't really have much to explain there. <laughs> that sorry. only made a little I'm sorry. sense. I'm sorry. His penis is very nice. Don't get mad at me. Goodness. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, it's nudity doesn't bother me, bottom line. It's just kind of how we are. But So I go, I go outside, and it's just a back deck. There's not really a lot of... There's no houses back there. Nobody could... Pr- really see me and i just had to grab something so i was like pants is a you waste can, of like, time s- you can see him by the way like not that i'm ever going to show any of you this video that is my husband's penis but he walks out and you see his head and he like looks both ways just to make sure he's all, like there's nobody out there cracks me up because his penis is already bare <laughs> by the way the other part <laughs> of this story that is relevant is we got a security system about oh, a couple yeah. months ago. So when she says you can you can see me, it's because we have a camera on the back porch that uh, detected my movement. And of course, I wasn't planning on this happening. Whenever I was busting around the house all naked, and so there's a little video of me and like opening the vision. door, <laughs> making sure there's no. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like, like gray black and night white. Vision. Looks like an Abbott and Costello movie of me. Going out the back door, looking both ways, and I walk over to where the fire pit is, and I bend over, and I grab the grab the lighter, and I and I head back in, and I'm a little cold, so I'm kind of like Gabe. <laughs> I was not even talking about my penis. I was talking oh, about sorry. my 
I'm hurrying because it's chilly. I thought you were going like full detail. I was like, you don't have to tell them that. Never mind. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, whatever visuals in your head, I apologize. Um, So, so, so. So, so, so. In the morning, I checked the... I checked the video um, just because there was movement detected and um, well. Oh no! This is no. this is what happened. So we in the morning we we go outside and there's like two one pot is broken and has fallen off one of our shelves like an empty flower pot that I just emptied out because the plants I planted didn't grow and on the other side there's another pot that has some other little pots in it that were just kind of being stored on this unit that we have that are also on the ground and knocked over one of them could have been knocked over by a high wind though it had never been knocked over before and the other one was very fairly heavy you would have had to have pushed that yeah this something would have had to move it around so it could have been an animal it could have been a you know a squirrel or Probably not a bird. It's a squirrel really against flower pots. Right, but but the motion detector didn't pick anything up. It it detected three different things, and both of it looked like that we have a set of lights up that was kind of blowing in the wind. It detected that movement, and then the other movement was maybe like some shadows moving around. Anyway, the, the motion detector gave us three videos of 16 seconds where nothing was nothing was happening really at all. And then in none of these videos, the pots fell. So we were like, whenever these fell, the movement was not detected. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's in direct view of this camera. So what the hell happened? So that's why we're going back and we're looking at all these videos of me. And then I found the one. I forgot that I had walked out there naked. So it was funny. So but on the way back. Gabe gets in from taking Rue out. I helped pick up the pots. Gabe takes Rue out for a walk. I have no idea where he's looking at the camera video for like what furry little critter knocked off all our flower pots all over the porch. Right. This is in the morning. So Gabe comes back in and I'm like, oh, did you find it? Was it an animal? And Gabe goes, well, I'll show you. And I was like, oh, yay. So what animal? Was it an animal? And Gabe doesn't say anything. And I go, was it a person? And like at that point, I'm like kind of panicked. And Gabe goes, yeah, I'll just show you. So he sits down, butt ass naked husband. <laughs> oh, okay, continue. Right. My, my naked video um, gets played for my wife and she starts laughing. And then at the end of the video... Up by the camera, there are these. I thought I thought they were glares at first, but we're thinking that they are possibly orbs. Not possibly. Like so, the thing about the camera is that it also picks up um, bug movement. So in any night vision, nighttime thing, you can see bugs flying around, and they do look kind of like, you know, like a <laughs> a ghost show would be like, oh my god, that's an orb. But no, motherfucker, that's a moth. Uh, these, what Gabe is talking about showed up in three of the videos from the time the first one showed up when Gabe and I were at right after we had done our ritual and we were just kind of talking by the fire, you start seeing these, they're very clearly orbs that you can like see through and they're moving around kind of like they almost like have sentience. It um, almost looks like at some point in a couple of the of the little nighttime videos that they're knocking at the door a little. Like mm-hmm. Like, they kind of boink, boink, boink. They kind of bounce on the door. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Gabe, butt naked, goes back inside with his lighter, 
the thing tries to go in. Like, it's, like, floating around. It's kind of following you. It's moving around the door. And then when Gabe goes inside, it's, like, it looks like it's kind of, like, chugging yeah. to come in after you. Yeah, it kind of waits for me to go in, and then I close the door, and it kind of goes, plunk. And it knocks plunk, plunk. on the door a few times. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And um, so, so very weird little experience and super fun and... Um, there's a little nudity, so that's always that's always good for a s- good makes a good story. <laughs> yes. Um, well, and like we also just to like for for clarity, like we checked like a few nights of like at least two nights full of like footage, like going through and seeing like the difference and like I I mean like the th- orbs only showed up last night in three videos and were not there. Otherwise, it's not like bugs just do that so it was definitely yeah it was something an anomaly and I, I guess tomorrow we'll check we'll check out the night feeds again just to make sure like you know it's i i'm i'm not 100 percent convinced i'm like 97 percent convinced so well, you know i told gabe too what did i tell you it was like you know it totally makes sense that if these were orbs they'd like show up because i know we can't show anybody this video because you're butt ass naked they're like sure <laughs> that yeah. dude's penis is out. Uh, so I have to f- I'm gonna maybe try and figure out how to edit it so that you you don't see my dick. Jennies, yeah, <laughs> and and maybe we can share some share one of the videos or something. Or Not that even... really I care that much, but um, just for the sake of society remaining. Do you think your dick is gonna break society? No, that's a really trying to conform. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway. So um, yeah. So th- that's so that's possibly what broke our pots. Little exciting. The, and this comes after the whole turtle incident that those of you who follow me on Instagram might remember from my stories from like beginning of October. Uh, we've had some paranormal activity. I've had some paranormal activity. Uh, all of that being said, we actually do have like like a little spirit that like walks around this house and chills out. So. Um, yeah, friendly, friendly spirits. <laughs> friendly spirits. So it could be that, but uh, that is our fun naked ghost story. Uh, are you hanging out for dreams, or are you piecing out now to edit? I guess if I have something to say, I'll I'll pop in. All right. So that brings us, I guess, to the next segment, which is telling nightmares, your nightmares. Um, well, three of your nightmares. So we're going to start off with... Um, Steffi's, and y'all may remember Steffi from the Six of Pentacles episode. Uh, she sent two short little nightmares. Steffi, uh, her pronouns are she, her, and uh, I've already told you her name. So, but she's been on the podcast, so I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> uh, so, what I'm going to do is read these, and then I'm going to pull. Uh, I'm going to read the nightmares, and I'm going to pull a card, or or three, depending on how I feel after each one and do kind of a fun interpretation. Uh, And then at the end of the episode, we'll do the quick little collective reading. And then uh, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to go drink some sparkling, some sparkling water. Okay. This is Steffi's Nightmare. When I was a child, I'd have these reoccurring nightmares I was terrified of violence and death so badly that I would run into the other room and close my eyes and cover my ears if I heard gunshots or saw any weapon. One day, they were showing an animated movie about Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Just pause real quick. 
that is like the funniest thing in the world to me that it Romeo and Juliet is what did her in. <laughs> and since it was animated, this is an animated version. I didn't think I was going to get triggered, but <laughs> the scene with a fencing duel that ends in death and especially the suicide where Juliet takes Romeo's dagger and stabs herself in the stomach scarred me for years. I'd have reoccurring nightmares about the suicide and had God awful dreams about the characters from the fencing duel. Uh, that the characters from the fencing duel broke into my home and killed my parents. Uh, she then says, so dark, I know, but that was my childhood fear. Uh, I almost feel like that dream is self-explanatory in that, girl, you just don't like violence, even cartoon violence, which is commendable. You know, like, we should abhor violence. But I'm going to pull a card anyway, and I'm going to let you know what it says. So... Uh, and then again, like Steffi's two dreams are short, so we're going to pull, oh, one fell out, so it's fine. So your card for this first tiny little dream, it, for your Romeo and Juliet anti-violence, uh, nightmare, you got the eight of pentacles. To me, it just sounds like this is like a card that's saying like, you know, your triggers, you know how it's going to physically manifest and your family like, you put a lot of love and work and time into your family. Like, you genuinely care about them. And so anything that, you know, when you are afraid of violence, you're not afraid of it affecting you. You're afraid of something happening to those you love more so than you're afraid of something happening to yourself. So it makes sense, especially as a child. Children are very, very naturally compassionate that when you saw something violent, that triggered a response of being afraid of something happening to family members. But it's really good that you learned that trigger um, and now uh, love horror movies. So you've come a long, you've come a long way. Um, <clears throat> that so, does sound very scary. I think of the Leonardo DiCaprio version where Mercury, Mercu I always have trouble Mercury. <laughs> Mercutio. <laughs> or Mercury retrograde. <laughs> Mercutio. Yeah, I, I don't have nightmares, but I definitely don't like that part when Mercutio dies in that movie. And I thought of that the entire time I was thinking about your nightmare. Hopefully I don't have nightmares of my own tonight. Only if you like ridiculous incense. It gives me a cough. If you hear me, if you hear, like, if any coughs can't be edited out, it's not the Rona. It's not the Rona. It is all of the smoke inhalation that accidentally happened last night. Uh, okay, are we ready for Steffi's second dream? Mm -hmm. Okay. She then says, I also had a nightmare once that all the adults in the world, I'm sorry, this dream makes me really happy, that all the adults in the world <laughs> turned into snakes. I remember in my dream, I was looking into my parents' eyes as a snake, and I knew it was them, but they couldn't talk to back to me. But they couldn't talk back to me, and I was so scared because I knew I was too little to take care of myself. I don't know if that speaks to some abandonment fears, but after that dream, I woke up crying. I would say yes, that speaks to some abandonment fears. I once had a dream that my mother turned into a wear bunny after getting mad at me for eating too many tater tots. We're not going to pull a card on that one. <laughs> that would lead us. That's a whole different level of psychosis. But Steffi, let's pull a card for your spooky snake parent dream. Ace of Swords. Um, Ace of Swords is kind of this gift of, like, clarity and truth. I think that you, what you said in, you know, I think is very obviously the reason for that dream. It's abandonment fear or fear that as you get older and things change and 
you kind of see that our parents, you know, as we get older, every child kind of has this moment of like, holy shit, like, my parents are kind of dumb. Not that your parents are dumb, but like, we all have this moment of kind of this realization of, oh man, like, our parents are just kind of human. Like, they're all, they don't know what they're doing either. I had that realization at age five, and I remember it scared the fuck out of me. Um, but even as a child, it makes sense that it would come in the form of some sort of dream where literally your parents are shedding this persona of parenthood. Um, they're becoming these snakes, and you know that these are your parents, but you're just like, oh my God, like, <laughs> you guys are fucking snakes. What are you going to, how are you going to take care of me? And what am I going to do? And I, you know, I think it speaks maybe less to abandonment and more to that kind of evolutionary skin shedding of that transition that we kind of all go through um, from children to adolescence or from adolescence to adults where we realize, oh shit, our parents, like they're just human or just snakes. Yeah. Essentially. I think also like, not only the, in that they're human, but like when kids see their parents fighting, it also gives them kind of like a, like if, if they don't see it very often and be like very scary or if, I don't know. I don't know. My parents fought all the time and I was always upset about it. Right. I I never think it's a good thing, but um, I do think that that's kind of a, a humbling realization as well, which I kind of thought of. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I think... I think the snake, because I would like, to, I guess I would like to know more about, like, if you had a fear of snakes prior or, you know, because snakes, I I like to think about, especially, like, symbolically, it can be like, oh, man, like, they're mean and angry. But I also think there's something to the helplessness of snakes and the shedding that evolution that snakes go through. You know what I mean? Snakes don't have... And Steffi's very religious, so, you know, in the Bible, snakes are made to crawl on their bellies. They don't, they're not very upright, mobile. They don't, they're not supposed to have a lot of power or uh, ability to hurt you. So it's kind of this feeling of helplessness, like the people who are supposed to take care of you and do everything for mm -hmm. you all of a sudden are made to, like, crawl on their bellies. They're snakes now. What are they going to do? Yeah. I guess I wouldn't know that perspective very well. No, because you have not read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. so, for those of you who don't know I, I i don't have a lot of i did not grow up um as a as a church goer or any of that so there's a lot of things that i wouldn't understand which is kind of fun like yeah. snakes like snakes. being vulnerable because i don't think a snakes is vulnerable uh yeah well you know so we're going on to our next dream. This dream was sent in by Brooke. She has she, her pronouns. And as far as uh, staying anonymous, she said, do what you want. I don't care. Uh, I don't mind. So anyway, that's where we're at with that. Brooke, she, her. Brooke says, hi. <laughs> I had a nightmare the other day and wrote it down. It probably had something to do with me watching The Haunting of Bly Manor before I went to bed, but here goes. I'm not sure if I should preface this or not, but I don't have Twitter due to a similar real-life situation, which made the dream a lot scarier. Okay, nightmare time. She wrote that in all caps. I'm not just insane. A friend of mine was messaging me publicly on Twitter about dropping off a shirt to my house. I guess he had clarified my address publicly because days later he messaged me saying he was sorry and asking if I had seen what he'd been tagged in. Someone had messaged him on Twitter. I remember seeing they were a Trump supporter. Weird. 
<laughs> I agree. This person had messaged him saying, thanks for my address. The person then posted a photo of my apartment and said, it looks like she lives here. I found a whole slew of tweets spewing how much he knows about me and my friends' lives. He knew all my secrets because he had been watching me. When I had found the tweet, I was on a day trip to Nova Scotia with my boyfriend. We had kayaked all the way to Nova Scotia, which isn't a day trip, by the way. <laughs> on the way back, we sat in our kayaks at a boat club and had shots and cupcakes. Weird combo. I don't think so. I would eat a cupcake in the middle where there is a shot. So, you know, when I'm not pregnant. That night, my parents were out of town, so my boyfriend and I stayed at my parents' house because the creepy Twitter guy kept tweeting about my apartment, etc. I had an uneasy feeling, so I made sure to lock the windows and doors. The first visitor was in the form of three girls I went to high school with. They're not mean girls, but in my dream they were. They kept knocking on my door and telling me to come outside. Weird, because I wasn't friends with these girls. I remember looking through the peephole. Somehow I knew it was the creepy Twitter guy. Eventually they left, and I walked into the kitchen. I remember telling my boyfriend how scared I was, and he kind of just brushed it off. He didn't think it was connected, and I was just being paranoid. Next minute, there was a creepy clown guy walking up the staircase from the basement. I grabbed a pair of kitchen I grabbed a pair of kitchen shears and stood at the top of the stairs. The clown person was mocking me. Why did you lock the door? You knew I would find a way in. That's my spooky clown voice. Uh, I told him with tears streaming down my face that I wasn't afraid of him. As he got closer, I stabbed him with the scissors, and he tore like a strip of fabric, revealing his black insides. It was like a black void. He started laughing, and I stabbed him again and again. His body just kept ripping and revealing that void, and he would laugh harder. And then I woke up. The end. Woof! That. So I just want to clarify, that went from cupcakes with shots to giant spooky clown void. Uh, Brooke, I feel like this is a three-card puller. So let's see what's going on with your dream here, okay? Okay. The three cards we have are, ooh, interesting. So I pulled three cards, and the three cards I pulled were the reverse seven of wands, the reverse nine of swords, which I thought is really cool, and the tower. So in this dream, there are a lot of heavy themes of being confronted with a situation where people are knowing where you are personally, uh, and that is kind of an unsettling feeling. It's unsettling because in in regards to social media, there's so much that people can pick up on us in that way. But I don't think your dream is specifically about social media as it so much is about you feeling defensive about who you are and that persona you have and letting people know who you are. Um, for instance, you know, you dream about your boyfriend and your boyfriend obviously knows you very well. So you're not worried at all about him having this information. But these random people on Twitter, like even these girls from high school, it kind of speaks to this kind of, uh, even acquaintances may not truly and fully understand who you are and you may want it that way. Even though you're not scared of them, even though they're not threatening, it kind of just speaks to this level of personal boundaries that you have, that when they're invaded, it's a very uncomfortable feeling that shows up in the form of kind of this nightmare set scenario, which is the reverse Nine of Swords now. The Nine of Swords is literally a person with their head in their hand sitting up straight in bed, almost like they woke up from a nightmare. It almost is like what's happened um, in regards to the tower and these two previous cards is that you have this realization or this fear about opening up in a way that is really 
vulnerable. And there's this defense mechanism of not wanting people to have all of that information um, because it feels a little bit like throwing yourself out of a tower. It's a little bit like the personal and spiritual shift it would be for people to have kind of this insight into your personal life like that uh, through the metaphor of social media and knowing where you live. It's a very uncomfortable feeling. Um, for instance, and it, and I and it could be something like this. I get a real fear about people in my real life finding my tarot account. Very few people other than my parents and very close friends know about that account. Um, I actually have most of my family besides one sister blocked from it. And for that reason, it's very, very personal to me when people kind of walk in that door especially when I thought it was guarded and it was uninvited. So if you have any situation like that where you have these feelings that you don't want people to know and that personal space feels invaded, it would have resulted in kind of this nightmare-esque scenario of somebody finding, you know, you on Twitter and then knowing where you live and then having these more intimate details about you resulting in this giant spooky clown, which I would say the clown is that metaphor of the tower here, like kind of this spiritual awakening of if you can tear the clown, the big, scary vulnerability down, that fear, what you get is kind of this void. And we can be afraid of the void or we can start to fill the void with things that make us happy and feel good. Kind of that fear of the unknown, like what would happen if people really knew this about me or if I really knew this about myself. Gabe? Yeah, I... I agree with that. I, I was I was more focused on the clown. Um, I got there. Yeah, no, I that's you did, and I think the what you said was was perfect. I'm and, perfect, and said more eloquently than 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 I could have put, and probably will put in just a second. Um, but I do think that the clown is kind of a a reflection of yourself and that who you fear. <clears throat> Not really, you are. I don't think you're the clown necessarily. Are you calling that, Brooke a clown? That's her dream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean that lovingly. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think the I think the clown is just kind of a a reflection of of your fear of yourself, um, being vulnerable to to things like social media and people people knowing the real you, which is a real fear that a lot of people have. Well, and even like even like if social media is not the fear, social media is a very personal type place in a lot of ways, which I feel is kind of that, you know, my mom recently found my tarot account and like they'll fucking scared the shit out of me. Like it was like my own void filled clown coming in through my front door. Uh, so, and it wasn't so much about, it wasn't so much about her finding my social media as it was more about like her seeing kind of this insight into my life that I didn't want her to have. So it could be a lot like that too, not even necessarily like that Brooke's afraid of social media specifically, but the vulnerability that, you know, especially like a Twitter, because Twitter is a very stream of consciousness, like a very free form thought type of place where people will very often get on and like just tweet their most ridiculous intrusive thought. Um, if somebody, you, it's almost like if somebody had access to your internal thoughts constantly, like that fear. Yeah, it could be something specifically with Twitter, or it could simply be that this is who I am on the outside, which is not necessarily a reflection of what you are on the inside. It can always... Clown void. Usually we are 
better looking, happier. You know, we, we rarely put all of the negative stuff on social media, you know. And so I think that, you know, it's not always real. No. And so there could be that part of an aspect, that part of that part of the a deeper part of that fear that could be present as well. Well, just that aspect of like people not really knowing who you are and if they did, how would it be received and how would you receive it? Like, how would you perceive yourself if you really kind of dove into that void, like that shadow part, um, which I totally get, you know, just kind of really that self-reflection of if I tear open the thing that scares me the most and I'm tearing it apart and there's this void, am I willing to go into it? Or am I so afraid of that part that I, that you reject there? You know, there's a, there's like, there, there are a lot of themes, um, and layers to this dream that I think culminate in what is basically like, how do you make vulnerability transformational? Hmm, Yeah. I'd be interested, um, to, to kind of wrap it up. I'd be interested to hear, um, if there are any other dreams that you have kind of along this this vein, um, not necessarily clowns and kitchen shears, but um, just in someone breaking into your house or someone hacking your Twitter. You know, there's a lot of invasive, invasive properties to this dream. So if there are more dreams like that, then... Um, I'd be interested to hear if it's kind of a threat or if it was just kind of a one-off or because of something that happened in your life. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to move on to Ian's? Mm -hmm. All right. Ian's is long and very poetic. So I'm going to do my very best to give it justice. Ian says, I have a nightmare. Yes, it is mine, and it's not exactly short. And if being chased and taken over gives the effect, another turn of the pillow, what do you say to the one below? It starts off with a poem. (laughs) I love Ian. Everything Ian does is, like, on a stage. Makes me very happy. I awoke to a messy room with a disheveled bed in an old apartment complex, the ones that had old brownish beige cracked paint on the walls in the older parts of Europe. The sun was sneaking in through the windows and there were certain facts that I knew that morning. That there was a man in this apartment complex who was sleeping with everyone and was wanted by the government, which is just amazing to me, by the way, Ian. As I got myself ready for the day, I heard a bunch of commotion through the walls of people speaking loudly and moving quickly. I opened my apartment door and realized that everyone was running away and knew instantly that the government was coming to seize everyone that lived here. (laughs) The whole government, all of them. So filled with dread, I quickly grabbed my keys and wallet and ran out of the apartment. After running down the dark and dirty staircase, I emerged outside to see people scattering in different directions, but mostly to the train station. Thinking that it was the best and fastest way to outrun the police, I decided to follow the crowd towards the station. I ran as fast as I could through the narrow cobbled streets and tall leaning buildings while the sirens got closer and closer. And as I reached the station, I could see the black police cars arriving in the distance. We all made it through the subway barriers as a train arrived just in the nick of time. We then quickly clambered into the train and saw the police running towards us as the sliding doors closed. 
The destination the train took us to was a huge shopping mall with a high dome ceiling that formed a clear glass roof. Thinking we were safe, all of us exited the train and descended down the escalators into the large marble mall. However, as we were descending, we realized that the police were already waiting for us there and had built barriers around the exits. Immediately, everyone started running in different directions as policemen charged the crown, tackling different people to the ground. I had a sudden thought that if I simply blended in with the normal crowd of people in the mall and acted like I was not part of the running crowd, that they wouldn't come for me. Just then I saw a girl from my apartment complex who was also trying to find a way out. So I quickly walked up to her and told her to act like we were a couple and to walk and act normally. She nodded, looped her arm through mine, and we casually hurried out one of the and we casually hurried out one of the small side entrances. None of the policemen took notice of us as they rushed past to tackle other people who were trying to run away. Once outside of the mall, we simply picked a direction to get away and disappeared back into the old leaning buildings of this unknown European-looking city. We started to talk, very quickly became friends, and as we laughed about some joke we made, we realized that we had unintentionally walked back to our apartment complex. However, now standing outside the building was a man with long hair and a nondescript face. Ian, I'm, I'm not a psychic, but I, I mean, I am, but is this the man that was sleeping with everyone and was wanted by the government? <laughs> I just love that detail. Uh, Oh, well, I should just keep reading. He was staring at us, and I knew that he was the one that was sleeping with everyone that the government wanted. Goodness, you got it. You got to take it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I and yes, I am. Uh, I turned to my friend to tell her that something was off about this man, that he was dangerous and that we had to leave now. But as I did, she wasn't standing next to me anymore. I looked around me to find her, and I slowly saw that scattered in the different windows of the buildings around me was the same man looking down intensely at me. There were multitudes of him, and everyone in this world had become him. One of him was down the alleyway, a couple of others were down the street. I was surrounded in all directions, and they were all looking at me with a gripping stare. Finally, as I completed my circle of searching for my friend and a way out, the man was suddenly there, standing next to me, where she had originally been, inches from my face. Then he gripped me, and everything went black. I'm sorry, I told you the nightmare wasn't exactly short. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed it, and I can't wait to hear your interpretation slash reading of this nightmare. Best regards, Ian DePriest, he, him. So I want to start out by saying, Ian, you don't have to say best regards, we're best friends. (laughs) (laughs) Secondly, whoa, that's a lot. It was it was very. That's a lot of sex that one man revolutions is having. Yeah, that's why he's having so much sex. There's like eighty million of him. Well, that makes sense. I know. Dream solved. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, okay, let's. Or this is a three carter for sure, Ian DePriest. Oof. Okay. So Ian. What we've got here is um, I pulled three cards for you, and we're working with the reverse Six of Swords, the reverse Hermit, and the reverse Wheel of Fortune. This dream has a lot of qualities of trying to both get help and help other people, and get yourself kind of to safety. There's this mass chaos 
And it kind of all revolves around this ability to get yourself to safety, which is a major theme of the reverse Six of Swords. Uh, It's all about asking for help and trusting the process. And so I think here, especially with the other two cards that we've got, there's a lot of kind of this internalized fear of this man who was sleeping with everyone and that the government really wanted. Um, I almost feel as if this man represents somebody that you don't want to be. Like this, this is a man, um, almost like your biggest fear is the becoming of this person that the government really wants. Uh, And there's no way to kind of escape this, right? It almost feels like if you ask for help or if you trust somebody or even if you're trying to do the right thing, you, you still go back to this apartment complex. You still go back and this man is still there. Uh, your last card being the reverse wheel of fortune. What this is saying is that you have this recurring fear of becoming this person. And I know you, so I'm not, I it, I kind of have this the disadvantage of being like, Oh, Ian, I know exactly what this dream is about, but I'm, I'm just going to text you it. But I think the point of this dream is about allowing yourself to become your own person oh, away from the things that have happened um, and allowing yourself to kind of take a new way forward, become a new person. You don't have to. Not every single road is or avenue or route of escape is going to lead you back to this one person that you're in this one outcome <clears throat> that you're afraid of. Uh, I would see that there's a lot of escapism, like a theme of escapism is very largely uh, largely brought up in this dream in regards to getting out of the apartment and then onto the train and then you get to a mall and then you're walking away and you think that you're safe and then you still end up back at the same place that you were. And I think that's your fear there that you're not going to change or evolve or become better than the person this man represents, which may be a family figure, or it could be even a past version of you. And it also can talk about the relationship between those two things and about wanting to break some sort of cycle. And to do that, it takes a lot of self. The Hermit is a lot about finding that truth, that self-truth, but in a way where it's not hurting you. So you kind of take that truth and you hold it out in front of you like a lantern and you let it lead you forward. And dreams are really, really good at doing that kind of like in Brooke's void clown dream, uh, it kind of takes you, it takes the you out of the situation and lets you hold up the truth in front of yourself to help light a way forward. Um, And this dream definitely feels like in that kind of six of swords sense, like even though it was largely about you helping this person and about you trying to get help, it really feels like the dream was kind of taking you to a place where it could get you to a truth that's too hard to observe awake. And it's all about breaking cycles or knowing that you've already got what it takes to break whatever cycle you're afraid of breaking. Kitsman, thoughts? Yeah. Um, sound, sounds very exhilarating and cinematic. And I loved the, I loved the written account of it, um, by the way. Uh, my, my thoughts are that um, in talking about escaping and sort of being inevitably in this trapped situation um i i feel like i don't know snippets of loneliness just kind of feeling like you are alone in in this in this fight whatever whatever that fight is or or whatever 
you may be going through, I feel like you, I feel like you feel like you're, like you're in it on your own. And I think, um, I guess in listening to Jackie's interpretation and, and some of the cards, I would say that, um, I would say that essentially you may be in your, in real life looking for, looking for a change, like a, a transition of some sort. Um, and I feel like it's inevitably coming um, and sort of not changing into this person. I think that's what you're afraid of. You don't have to do that. I think you can find your way out. And I think you just have to accept that that's what you have to do and do something differently. Whatever, whatever this is regarding, which I don't know. That's just kind of what, I, what I've gathered from it. Yeah, definitely kind of a breaking of cycles or change or I feel like commitment's a really big part of the dream as well. But I'll text you. Um, but as we all know, this is now the part of the podcast where I come out and uh, update you all on what's been going on. Uh, this is very... So we recorded this episode... Uh, two weeks ago and then Gabe and I had like a small little uh, emergency we had to handle that night so it didn't get edited to go out that Monday and then this last week was election and a bunch of other craziness and then our virtual baby shower was earlier today and we were getting ready for that and anyway uh, basically boy do we have shit to update y'all on one uh, after we recorded, actually the next morning, the earlier part of this episode where we talk about the ghost orbs, this is, and so many of you who follow me on Instagram are like, oh, I know what this is about. Uh, the next morning we woke up and we have this security system, right? And the security system only alerts us to when something the size of a human is on our porch when the house is marked armed when we're you know when we're here but it's armed when we go to bed. And what happens is that when the security camera sees a person, not an animal, a person, it tells us that somebody is there or apparently it also tells us when a person is lingering for too long. So I woke up Monday morning at like 5:30 to that and there were like eight or so videos of this mist humanoid form walking around our porch, kind of like right in front of where the baby's nursery window is. And, you know, it was just very strange. We haven't, we, we haven't had any activity since, but I do have like photo evidence that many of you saw on Instagram of this humanoid figure kind of pacing back and forth by that window and I had people message me and they were like, well, could it be an animal? And I was like, thought about that, but no, because it only picks up human-sized things. Um, so you can literally see this thing pace back and forth or raise its hand in some videos and nothing has happened at all since. Uh, I think Gabe said that actually he said he woke up at 3 a.m. like the next night or the or two nights later and heard what he thought was knocking and that creeped him out. But we haven't really, I think besides, besides the video and Gabe's maybe knocking, <laughs> we haven't had any other weird paranormal activity, but the paranormal activity we did get was 
ghost orbs and humanoid spooky ghost. So that's kind of where we're at with the update on the ghost porch or the por- porch ghost scenario. Um, but so now let's get into the collective reading part, right? Wow, have we had two weeks. Um, the the card is the reverse high priestess. And I think one of the things that I really like about the high priestess as a whole is that when it comes up as kind of like a guide or advice, it's very much trust, trust that inner self. And in the reverse, it's, and then bring it out, right? Don't be afraid to talk about what you think and what you feel is going to happen. Take yourself seriously. Take things seriously. Um, For instance, you know, the (laughs) former President Trump is throwing a major Twitter fit right now about the fact that Joe Biden won and it was what whatever the fuck he's complaining about. And we're we're listening and many of us are like, ha ha ha, that is hilarious. And on the other hand, it's also kind of like, oh, holy shit, like how far is he going to take this? Because when somebody tells us who they are, we need to listen to that, right? So we're kind of in this fine balance. And it, let's just not like, we can even take this past political or past the political nonsense happening right now and take it into our personal lives as well, right? Like if you have a feeling voice that feeling. If you have if you have a suspicion or intuition, voice that. Don't be afraid to do that. We're kind of at a point now where we need to start being able to trust those thoughts that come to us, that intuition, that feeling, that gut kind of knowing that we get. Say it out loud um, or write it down and come back to it because I think a lot of times our intuition speaks to us and we're kind of like, oh yeah, that could totally be true, but then we don't say anything, right? Because we don't want to be wrong. Um so then when we're right later, we we kind of, we forget. <laughs> we forget about just how spot on we were. So one of the things that I do for that is I would encourage people for the next, you know, two weeks to journal those gut feelings down, um, journal those intuitive thoughts, and then go back to them in two weeks and be like, okay, and underline all of the things you were fucking right about. I do that a lot, and it's it's been a really life-changing experience to know what is my anxious thought process and what is my intuition, because another huge, I believe, theme coming in these next two weeks is anxiety does not equal intuition. Like, if you are very, very anxious about something, that doesn't mean that it's your intuitive voice telling you telling you something's going to happen. We have to learn to distinguish between those two things. Okay. All of that being said, and all of that update being done, um, if you like this podcast, uh, please rate, subscribe, review. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, if you sent in a nightmare, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. If you want your nightmare read, laughed at, talked about, interpreted with tarot by my husband and and me, send us that to awakenedtarotnashville at gmail.com. We will read them. Thank you so much, and I hope y'all have amazing weeks. Gabriel! You have to come back and turn this off. (laughs) 